Good morning, church. I'm Pastor Ray Brandon, and I want to introduce our, our speaker this morning. Um, he's a church planter um, in, in Fenton, uh, Scott Statson. And you may be asking, like, um, are we, are we going to be planting another church? And uh, the, the, um, the long answer of that is, and I mean long-term answer, is yes. You know, every church has seasons. Every church has seasons. And we are, are called as a people of God um, to, to, uh, to proclaim his word and to see that worship is established where today worship is not. And that's, that is the role of the church in the world. The church, by its very nature, is missionary. It is one that is sent and being sent. And so we always have to keep that in front of us. We've always got to keep that in front of us. When we think about missionaries, we ought not to think about simply people that we send, that leave us and go, um, and go to faraway places. We ought to think our, of ourselves as ones that are sent into the world. Um, so we have seasons in the life of the church. Every um, church has seasons. You can be praying for the church at large. As I, you know, as I talk to pastors like, like Scott and other pastors in our area, we had a area pastors meeting, um, when we think about just Michigan, um, is the light burning brighter in Michigan? In some places it is, but by and large, there are fewer people attending church today than there, there was 24 months ago. In most churches, it's upward of 25 to 35% are no longer, they're just, their pastors, their congregation just haven't seen them. Through COVID, they've just decided their faith, the church, the practice just isn't for them. And so we're, we're in a place that is following a trajectory of, of Europe and um, where the light is not necessarily getting brighter, right? But we trust God. We go through these seasons. Even in this season um, that we're in, we're focused on cultivating joy in God because that's where our joy comes from. And as God blesses with, um, with leaders who have a sense that they're being sent, um, that's when we know we're in a season of, okay, we need to, we need to think about where can, we, where can we plant a new church? Um, where can we send a church planter? How can we be a part of church planting? And so I extended an invitation to, to Scott. He's become a friend over a, a long period of time. He was pastoring. Um, since God was leading him one direction, and God led him in another direction, and um, uh, planted a church in, in 2018, and um, God's done some amazing things um, in um, this small church, a small church plant, um, placed them in a strategic location, um, right close to 10% of the population is at his back door in, in the town of, of Fenton. And so I invited him because I think no matter what season that we're in, um, we need to be thinking about that we are people that are sent. And so how, how can we be reaching, whether it's um, our own children, or whether it's our neighbor, um, or whether it's people in, in Fenton, or it's somewhere else that, that God is calling us to, to spread the gospel, to share the love of Jesus Christ. So I'm thankful to have Scott I asked him to come share what's happening in his church plant, in his life, as well as open the scriptures this morning and, and challenge us from God's word. So thank you so much, Scott, for being here with us this morning.
Well, good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me, seriously. Um, my name is Scott Stassen. I'm the pastor uh, of the Way Church in Fenton. My wife, Amanda, uh, and I uh, are two little ones, along with, uh, seriously, countless uh, other gifted uh, and passionate individuals. And by the grace of God, we planted the Way Church uh, December of 2018, uh, and, and our facility is located like right in front of this massive apartment complex. Uh, we're there to reach young people, help people find and follow Jesus. And uh, I, I tell you what, it's been amazing. It, it's been uh, overwhelming to just see these young people uh, respond to the gospel, a young families doing life together, digging into the word, encouraging, uh, challenging one another. Uh, it's, it's just been, it's been humbling. Uh, we're, we're in the middle uh, of uh, a facility update project. Uh, God, long story short, God opened up the door for us to plant by uh, giving us a, a facility. Uh, but it desperately needed updating our water, uh, our sanctuary, just needed some updates. And so uh, we set out, we're young families, okay? We set out uh, to raise $4,000, and, uh, and that was it. Uh, and, and so we took two months, uh, and we were just challenging our people uh, to just give generously to just uh, nothing exciting, uh, facility update projects. Uh, and by the grace of God, we've been able to raise $36,000. Uh, and, and that's just, uh, I say that not to brag, uh, but that's faithful uh, generosity. You see young people just giving uh, faithfully towards something concrete, uh, uh, something that will ensure uh, that we have the opportunity to find it, or to help people find and follow Jesus uh, for many, many years down the road. So I'm excited uh, to just be a part of what God's doing at the Way Church in Fenton, and, and I'm excited to uh, have the opportunity to open up the word uh, this morning with you. Uh, Exodus chapter 32. Let's do this. Let's pray, and then we'll spend some time in Exodus chapter 32. Father, I just, uh, I thank you for uh, Northbridge Church, for this, uh, this congregation, their prayerful support uh, and encouragement to us uh, in Fenton at the Way Church uh, and, and to many, many other uh, missionaries uh, who you've called uh, and sent out. Lord, as we open up your word, we ask that you would challenge us, uh, draw us towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. So last, la last year uh, at the Way Church, we journeyed, we journeyed through the Exodus. Uh, so what, what was happening, I, I noticed that I was spending uh, I think it was a ridiculous amount of time in the New Testament as compared to uh, the Old Testament. And so what I wanted to do is uh, sort of challenge myself. I knew that a, a really good understanding of the Old Testament would help us see clearly uh, truths from the New Testament. And so uh, I, I just, we, we took the plunge and we just journeyed through the Exodus uh, and, and literally, what, what better narrative to work through than the Exodus? All right, for, for five, six months, we journeyed through uh, this book. And I tell you what, it was just a real uh, uh, challenge uh, to my walk with the Lord. So when Pastor Ray uh, invited me to preach this morning, I knew exactly 
what message I wanted to share. It was a message that just really uh, challenged uh, my faith. So this is one I wanted to share with you. It was one that really stuck out. It's a passage that we're, I think we're all familiar with, Exodus 32, uh, the golden calf narrative. So uh, with our text today, uh, I think what, we, what we're going to be able to do is we're just going to be able to step back uh, and see clearly uh, a story that is above any other story. All right, I don't have three, point, three points. I don't have words that rhyme this morning. Uh, I just want to make the case that this is not just uh, the people of Israel's story. This is our story too. And we'll see that uh, as we just work through the text this morning. Uh, but before we dive in, I don't want anyone to feel like they just clicked on a movie and they're like 30 minutes into the movie and they didn't see the beginning, all right? So let me give you some context uh, to what's been going on up until this point in the Exodus. So throughout the Exodus, you see on full display the grace, the kindness, the goodness, uh, the mercy of God. He is a God that moves uh, towards his people, uh, and he moves towards them to rescue them, to deliver them, uh, to uh, free them, to give them what they actually need. So think about this. We've all got things that we think we need, right? We think we need uh, a new car, uh, a new job. We, maybe we think we need peace in our relationships or, or, or more money in the bank, right? We, we all have things we need or we think we need. And yet the word uh, would just step into that and say that all the pressures that we're, we're feeling, all the pressures that we're experiencing in life, they're really just a symptom of something greater, a greater reality. And it's, it's our, our need for him, for more of him. So we've been, we've been created uh, by the creator and our souls will be uh, restless uh, until we can just find rest in him. So that's what you see right off the bat in the Exodus God or, or in the Exodus narrative. God moves towards his people. He's generous, uh, he's gracious. He desires to uh, save us, to to rescue us, to break us free from the chains that we're walking in and pull us into life. Uh, and here's the amazing thing, all right? This is the thing that's just shocking. Uh, it, it was God who initiated all of that. It, w it was God who started all of that. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't want to sugarcoat this for you because uh, I think if I did, uh, it, it wouldn't be very loving of me for me to do so. So, so sure, God is good, right? Uh, but sometimes it's a little hard for us to see, to understand, to comprehend uh, because, let's be honest, there are things in our life that play out differently than we, the, than we wanted them to, all right? If we were God, uh, we would do things completely different, all right? I'll use this an as an example. I have two daughters, uh, Willa, who's four, and Lillian, who, who just turned two, and they see the world so much different than, than the way I do, all right? They think the best thing for them uh, their best life is to just eat chocolate, 
ice cream, marshmallows, M&Ms all day. They think that is the diet that would lead to their flourishing, okay? And uh, I, I know better, okay? Willa, Lillian, I'm older than you. I love you. I see the world differently than you do. And think about this. If that much of a difference exists between my understanding of the world and theirs, uh, then don't you think God sees things differently than we do? All right, like God's plan, sure, it, it is a good plan, uh, but oftentimes it just works, that, it, it works itself out very differently uh, than we think. So um, God has always been, he will always be, uh, he's going to operate uh, different than the way we would operate. And sometimes throughout the Exodus, uh, you see that. You see how uh, God takes the people of Israel uh, the long way around to get into the wilderness. It, it was for their good. Uh, and I, th- I think we can all relate to that. Even in my own life, there have been times where you just go, God, uh, I, I get the lesson you're trying to teach me here. I'm done learning. Can't we just be there already? Why are you taking me the long way around? Uh, but sometimes that's what God does. He takes us the long way around, and this happens uh, because God is good, because God is kind, because God is uh, full of grace and mercy towards his people. So the people of Israel, they cry out, all right? They cry out in their uh, oppression, and and God responds. God answers their cry. God hears them, and God sees them. God provides for them. He he delivers them. He makes a way. Uh, So God gave them what they needed, uh, not what they thought they needed, all right? God gave them more of himself, more of himself. So the Exodus reveals to us uh, a, a God who is good, who is kind, who is full of mercy towards his people. And today, in Exodus 32, okay, that story uh, takes a turn for the worst. All right, let's be honest, we're Americans. Last week it was 4th of July, right? Yeah. Um, There is something about, uh, like, rebellion just sounds good. We like the word rebellion, right? It just sounds right. Rebellion to us is uh, charting our own course, uh, fighting against a tyrannical government. It's it's pushing back against forces that seek to oppress us. Rebellion, awesome. All right, when I think of rebellion, I think of Mel Gibson. Uh, Yeah. Flag in this hand, musket in this hand, running through uh, the fog of smoke towards enemy lines. Rebellion is shaking our fists uh, towards uh, forces that seek to oppress us. It's not backing down. And and if that's the uh, rebellion that we were talking about today, that'd that'd be awesome. I would love that. Uh, But but that is not the rebellion we're referring to today. Truth is, uh, our rebellion wasn't against this tyrannical uh, regime, but against a good, kind, and merciful God. Uh, we rebel, uh, and, and, and we get death. God offers us freedom. God offers us life. And instead, uh, we constantly choose slavery. 
Like we rebel against a holy God, against the one thing our hearts crave but can't seem to find. That's what we're going to read about in the beginning of Exodus 32. Let's read. Uh, I want to read starting in verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, uh, Take off the rings of gold that are in your ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters. Bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, uh, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered uh, burnt offerings, brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So this, uh, this is rebellion against the kindness, against the goodness of God. Remember, uh, this, this is a God who's been moving towards his people, all right? Offering life, offering forgiveness, offering grace, offering uh, mercy. He's been, he's been providing for them every single step of the way. And even, even when they're freed from their slavery, uh, we, we need to remember that it wasn't not by their own act, but by an act of God. All right, God intervened. God stepped in. God provided. He provides, uh, he provides quail. Uh, he provides water, nourishment, if they, if they were hungry, all they had to do was walk outside and knew every morning there was this sweet-tasting bread, manna from heaven. And despite their constant grumbling, despite their complaining, all right, God in his mercy uh, constantly is just approaching, uh, extending kindness, offering grace and mercy and forgiveness. Then the people go... Uh, where's Moses? Where, where is Moses? He's been, he's been a while. Where, where is he? And what do they do? Well, they, they freak out. They, they rebel against the kindness of God. They, they run right back to the enslavement that they were experiencing in Egypt. So early, earlier in the Exodus, uh, if you do some digging, what you'll find is that the plagues uh, that God brought down against Egypt, they were direct attacks on all of Egypt's gods. And this is especially true uh, of the plague uh, against the livestock. So all of their livestock die of disease. Uh, it, it Really, it was God's way of showing Egypt and, and Israel uh, that this little golden cow that they bow down to, that they worship as God, really had no power, had no authority at all. Nothing. All right, and now Israel, the people of God, they've run right back to this God that couldn't save Egypt. All right, they've run right back to this God and they've said, it was you that brought us out of Egypt. It was you, 
Oh, little golden calf. Really, it's ridiculous. Right, think, think about this for a minute. Think about how offensive this is. God just killed that God. That's what happened. All right? The livestock didn't die behind closed doors. All, right? all of Israel, all of Egypt knew. Everyone knew what happens. Even some of the Egyptians, they come to fear the Lord. Yet, the moment Israel gets stressed out, they're like, well, we need a God. We need a God. We need to do something. We need to take matters into our own hands. So how about, how about that little golden cow? He'll work. He'll work. Listen, here's what I think we can learn, all right? When you're in rebellion against God, you do some idiotic things. I think that's the lesson that can be learned here, all right? So it's it is easy for us to read the passage, to point the finger, and to go, I can't believe how the Israelites responded. If I was there, I'd respond much differently. No way would I have done that. Come on. All right, come on. Like, the truth is this isn't just their response. This is ours, too. This is you. This is me. This is uh, all of us. We've all chosen this path of rebellion. Like, we, we want stuff from God. We don't want him. We don't want him. Like, we, we think we're smarter than him. Than him. We think uh, we know better, so we take matters into our own hands. We fail to acknowledge him. We fail to give him the credit. And what do we do? We act like we did it, like we achieved it, like, like we somehow provided uh, for our flourishing on our own. We overcame, we conquered. It's ridiculous. We take all the credit, we fail to acknowledge him. And what do we do? We build up these little uh, golden calves, little idols in our lives that where we bow down and worship our relationships uh, our kids, our bank account, our careers, our achievements, uh, our appearance, whatever, our, 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 our reach. Like we stand behind it all and, and we worship this stuff that's just going to rot away at some point. And this is despite the fact that we are living proof that uh, all this stuff can't save us. It, it leaves us empty. It leaves us void and longing for more. Like we're chasing something that cannot fulfill us ever. Like it can't provide. And if that's not enough, look at how Aaron responds to this, uh, this rebellion. Okay, look at, look at jump ahead uh, with me real quick. Look at verse 21. It says, And Moses said to Aaron, uh, what did this people do to you that you've brought such a great sin upon them? And, and Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people, that they are set on evil. For they said to me, uh, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. So I said to them, let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me. I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. I love that, all right? You almost have to laugh because this is just bad, all right? Here's what's happening here. Uh, Aaron's confronted with his sin. His rebellion is exposed, and what's the first thing he does? He blames someone else. Like, what did you do, Aaron? 
uh, Moses, do you, don't you know these people? You know these people. They're just the worst. He's confronted. His, his rebellion, his sin is exposed. And, and what happens? At that point, uh, when, and I think this happens to all of us too, when our rebellion, when our sin is exposed, all right, what do we do? What do we do? When it's made visible, we, we, we blame someone else. The desire of the flesh just uh, takes over, all right? We convince ourselves that we're in the right, that we're not wrong, that we're good. It was somebody else's fault. We seek to just blame others for our, uh, our mistakes. That's what we do, okay? When we rebel against God, uh, when we begin to, uh, I think when we begin to reap what we sow, uh, when we get exposed, when we get outed, uh, we almost always have someone else to blame for our rebellion, for our behavior. Now listen, the truth is uh, you will be sinned against. Thank you, Scott. That is just so encouraging this morning. Yeah, you're, you're going to be sinned against. It's going to happen. Your kids uh, are going to sin against you. Your spouse will sin against you. But your response to that sin, uh, that's, that's totally you. That's on you. You have no one else to blame but yourself. All right? And responding to sin with sin, uh, it never makes God say, oh, I get it. I get it. You were sinned against. You have a free pass this time. Just be uh, a total lunatic. Respond with sin. No, like you, you can't blame others for your sin you, you've chosen to rebel to other people, or, or you've chosen to respond to uh, other people sinning against you uh, with the flesh. All right? you've, you've responded in sin. And, and what do we do? When sin finds us out, uh, we, we blame others. We seek to blame others. And I think we also try and justify our actions. So uh, we just try and convince ourselves that we're good people. Uh, we rewrite history. Uh, now, the text doesn't say this, all right? I'm, I'm making assumptions here. Uh, I don't think Aaron actually knew he was lying. All right, look, like, look at this. Aaron says, uh, well, he says, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know what happened. You know, like I, I just took up an offering gathered people's gold rings, threw them into the fire. Moses, you're going to be amazed. Out came this golden calf. Isn't this amazing? It, it is ridiculous. It's laughable. But, but you, have you ever come across people? Like, they're, they're exposed. They're, they're, their sin has just been uh, uncovered, and they're just spinning this web of absurdity, a web of ridiculousness. It, it is insane. The desire of the flesh uh, takes over. The desire to be justified, to convince ourselves that we're right, that we're good, that we're not actually the ones at fault, despite the fact that there's just so much evidence working against us, we respond to the flesh. We respond uh, with, with more sin. Like this desperate need to just be right is, is so powerful. Uh, I, I don't think Aaron knows that he's, he's lying here. Like he's, he's ridiculous, but I, I, don't, I don't think he knows he's lying here. He says, Moses, come on, you know, you know these people. All right? You know the Israelites. It's a tough crowd. 
all right? They're crazy, and it happens so fast. I just, uh, they were intense, they were demanding, they wanted a God, and before you know it, we were tossing some gold into the fire, and, and, and out came this calf. I, I know it, it sounds crazy, but what were, what were we supposed to do? This calf just showed up. So, so we responded in worship. Like, out of the fire came this calf. Can you believe this, Moses? Like you, you, so this is what happened. Like, this is what we see. We see uh, this good, gracious, merciful God moving uh, towards his people. Meanwhile, they're rebelling against that kindness, against that goodness. And, and by the way, they're, they're rebelling and by, with some of the most horrifying in some of the most horrifying ways imaginable, all right? Uh, This is offensive. So what is God's response to that? It is 2021. I'm supposed to stand up here and say that God just says, don't worry about it, because God is just some sky fairy. He sprinkles this fairy dust all over our problems and makes them go away, right? Wrong. All right, that's not what the Bible says, and it'd be cruel of me to leave you with that idea. God's response to our rebellion against his kindness, against his goodness, against his grace is is wrath. Let me show you. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves they've turned aside quickly out of the way i commanded them they've made for themselves this golden calf they've worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said uh, these are your gods O israel who brought you up out of the land of egypt and the lord said to moses i've seen this people and behold it is a stiff necked people now, therefore, let me alone that, I'm, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may, what does he say? I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. So, listen, just a few chapters ago, uh, Israel entered into this covenant relationship with God. This is where God said, uh, here's how you be my people. I'm going to be your God. This is how you belong to me. And the people of God, they responded. They said, okay, God, we do. We do. We want to follow you. We want to be your people. God, we are in. All right, and they begin to live as his people in this, in this new uh, covenant relationship. So it was, it was just a few chapters ago where, where the Israelites said, God, we're in, we do, we're not going anywhere till death do us part. And now a couple chapters later, here they are cheating on God. And God's response to that is not, okay, I get it. Moses was gone a while. I understand. No, no. God's like, Moses, move out of the way. Move out of the way. I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to build a great nation out of you, but I I will consume these people. I'm killing everyone else. Like, this is the wrath of God towards sin. He hates it. he's, He's not indifferent towards it. He hates it. 
Like, if we actually stop and think about this, like, we'll, we, you'll see that the effects of sin are greater than we think. All right? Sin uh, doesn't just corrupt us on the individual level, uh, but the Bible says it crosses generations uh, along a bloodline. Sin rots our souls, our families, our communities, our states, uh, our, our nation, generation after generation. Rebellion against God, it's aligning ourselves with the enemy, it's choosing destruction. And listen, God's not cool with it. He's not understanding of it. He doesn't just look past our rebellion. He will destroy it. He will kill it. He will eliminate it once and for all. I think when it comes to the wrath of God, we have this, uh, we have the wrong picture in our heads. We think the ra- we, we, when we think of wrath, uh, what do we think of? Lightning and thunder from heaven. That's it. Like, you, be- you just better be careful in, in, in how you're living your life because who knows? Like, if you're not following him, then God's just going to strike you down. But that's not, that's not the wrath of God. In fact, Paul, uh, in Romans 1, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to reference this real quick. Uh, he paints a picture of God's wrath, and he says that sometimes uh, God just releases us to chase what we think is good for us. And we chase, and we chase, and we chase. God's like, oh, you think your spouse is going to make a better God than me? Go ahead. You you think your job is going to fulfill you? Go ahead. Chase. Have fun with that. God just releases us. In his wrath, he lets us chase and chase and chase the things that will leave us feeling empty. We've rebelled against the kindness of God, all of us. This is true of every single one of us. And we see that God rightfully responds to that rebellion with wrath, but that's not the entire picture. All right, look at verse 30. The next day Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin, and now I'll go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make an atonement for your sin. Here's the next part of this story that I want us to see. God, even in the midst of our rebellion against him, while his wrath is still burning hot against us, God moves towards his people. This is just, this is amazing. Atonement. What do we mean by atonement? Atonement is uh, ransom paid. Okay, so Moses goes up, he tries to do what Moses cannot do, what he is unable to do. He tries to pay for the sins of Israel. So he goes up, pleads with God, please don't blot out the names of your people, Lord. Remember this promise you made to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Like, let me be a ransom for these people. Whatever it is, whatever price I have to pay, I'll pay it. Let me pay it. But Moses, he can't. He can't atone for the people of Israel. He can't ransom uh, God's people. Why? Because he's a sinner. He's, he's in rebellion. He himself has rebelled against God. But here's what this is. This is a picture uh, of something greater. Something greater. Uh, so Moses going up the mountain uh, in, a te- in, in an attempt uh, to make a way for the people, uh, trying 
to justify God's people, have their sins atoned for. This was just a picture of something greater, a greater Moses that was to come. We know who that is. It's Jesus Christ. And so because when Jesus came, right, he came as a ransom, making atonement for all of our sins. And this is amazing. He paid the price for all of our sins, past, present, future, paid in full on the cross. It's done. And this, this atoning work on the cross, really it was so uh, amazing, right? Because uh, this atoning work didn't just move forward into the future to us, but it actually uh, worked uh, backwards as well. Uh, picked up all the sins of these, these people in the past, so, like, how, how was Moses righteous? How was he righteous? Well, on his own, he wasn't, all right? He, he, he wasn't even led into the promised land, all right? How about Abraham? Was Abraham on his own? Was Abraham righteous? No. He, he, horrible, horrible things. David, same thing, all right? So how were they forgiven? How were they counted as righteous? It was because they believed in the one who was to come. Jesus' death on the cross didn't just forgive our sins, but it worked backward. It paid for the sins of all those who believed in the past that this, this was coming. Atonement was coming. And they didn't see the whole picture. They didn't know all the, they didn't know all the details, but they knew that one day there was one who was coming. Forgiveness, mercy, and grace offered. Listen, I, I think some of us, uh, we, we avoid deep, intimate relationships with God because I think uh, we're just so caught up in our shame and guilt. Like maybe you've done some things you just can't, uh, you can't, you can't get past. Like they haunt you to this day. They make you feel like you just can't, you can't, you can't approach God. But listen, listen, 2,000 years ago, Right, as they drove the nails through the hands and the feet of Jesus, as he hung on that cross, agony, hours and hours of pain. What was happening in that moment was that all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our sin, all of our rebellion was absorbed and paid for by the blood of Jesus. He paid it all. You don't know a thing. You don't owe a thing. The price has been paid, and, and that's true of all of our sins. Past, present, future. All right, we are spotless. We are blameless in his sight. And how do we know this? Like, how? How can I be sure? Well, it's because of the resurrection. All right, we, we, we can be confident that our price was paid in full because Jesus is alive. Church, do, can, you see, can you see our story in this text? Like God is good. God is kind. God is gracious to us. And yet, uh, we've, we've rebelled. We've, uh, we've rebelled against that goodness. We've chosen uh, slavery. We, 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 we've chosen to chase after our own desires that that we think will fulfill us and, and, and fill that void. 
And what happens? We rebel. And when our sin is exposed, we, br- we blame others. We justify our actions. We rewrite history, try and convince ourselves and others that we're just good people. But listen, on the cross, your rebellion's been paid for. You've been forgiven. You've been set free, been brought near to God in Jesus Christ. Northbridge, don't forget that, that this, this, this is our story. Right? God has rescued us out of rebellion. He's made a way for us in Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, just I thank you. I thank you for the very fact that you move toward us. Lord, it's not you, or it's not us moving towards you. It's you moving towards us. You initiate this. And even when we've rebelled against you, Lord, we have sinned. We've, we've charted our own path. Uh, like these uh, Israelites in this uh, terrible act of idolatry, Lord, we, uh, we fashion these idols out of anything in life, and we bow down. It, it is, it, it's shameful. Lord, Lord, we've rebelled against you, against your goodness, against your kindness, but Lord, you've made a way for us in your Son. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for his life, his death, his resurrection. Our price has been paid and we're set free. Help us to never forget this. This is our story. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.